Here's a theme song, you know it's not a mean song It's a good song, just as it should song American Brews and Tunes Shibbity-beeby-doo Three, two, one Recording Hit it, hit it Here's And my we're back and we're both recording to answer your Are question we? Am I? I'm you are. Zero. I don't see any lines moving up and down on my. Uh, I mean, if you don't see your lines, okay. that's okay because I see your waves. You see my waves, okay? I, yep, I see your waves, and they're good, healthy waves. All right. I just wanted to make sure that we could see some waves on one end before starting this episode. Yeah, your waves have have eaten their wheaties and gotten their vegetables, their Popeye spinach, and a healthy dose of protein. Man, I always believed in my waves. I knew my waves could do it. Yeah, especially the Popeyes. <laughs> Great job, waves. <laughs> anyway, that was a terrible. Now that we Popeye. have that taken care of. Well, this is American it, American Brews and Tunes. Welcome back. Because Welcome back, everybody. We, we do impressions here. We do random things here. If you're joining us for the first time, we generally talk about music and about beer. Yes. Um, More specifically, this episode, we're going to be talking about Life Forms by Angels and Airwaves on episode 123 of American Bruising. 123. Which is a fun... fun, That's a fun number. One, two, three. Yeah, one, two, three. I mean, what better sequence of numbers is there? Uh, One, eight, two. Oh. (laughs) You asked. Got me there. Yeah. Um, but other than that, there's not really much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going through all of the different number combinations right now in my head, and I can't think of any. Maybe 007, maybe yeah. 007. Or perhaps 1,234. Yeah, that could be good, too. Yeah. Might as well um, <laughs> keep it going. But, uh, <laughs> Enough about numerology. I believe that's the word. <laughs> yeah, enough about numbers. Yeah, this is a podcast. Uh, like we said about beer music, my name is Stephen Johnston. And my name is Jesse Titus. Like I said, we're going to be talking about the revolutionary album Life Forms by... <laughs> the revolutionary album? Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe not revolutionary, <laughs> but uh, how about Interstellar? <laughs> okay, yeah, Interstellar. That's maybe more appropriate. Yeah, Interstellar. Uh, as far as the standard for Tom DeLonge goes, I'd say this is revolutionary, maybe. Yeah, um, but before we get to the music, let's touch touch upon, upon the beer, shall yes. we? Let's um, touch upon it. Let's taste it. Let's try it. Let's talk about it. Let's do let's all talk the above. about it. Let's let's have it. a fantastic voyage with it. How about that? Yes, we shall. And it's not just a journey that Jesse's talking about. It's the yeah. literal name of the beer. Exactly. Yes. But trying beer is also a journey. Yes. Just so you're aware, yeah. listener. Yeah. Um, but this week we are tasting the beer Fantastic Voyage by Perennial Artisan Ales. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty excited about this one, Steve. Um, Perennial is a great brewery in general. Yes. Uh, they generally like, I. whenever I try their beers, they're always good. They're always solid. And uh, they're just a little bit more pricey. Yes, they, they are. And and typically with, with a lot of the craft breweries, they are pricey because they're not using adjunct ingredients. Um, they're using fresher mm-hmm. stuff and, and they're on a smaller operation. So their costs are higher than the macro breweries um, yes. all around. So you, you get what you pay for, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. And we definitely got what we paid for with this beer. Yeah. This now, beer. Have, have we ever had perennial? I... I I think we may have had a couple perennial beers, maybe one on the on the podcast before. Are you? I mean, <laughs> we just talked about this off camera or off uh, off the pod. How uh, we do not remember like anything from previous episodes. <laughs> it's <laughs> because true. we like record them and then just forget what we said. <laughs> and, so and uh, for the life of me, we're at one hundred and twenty three episodes. That's a lot, it's of, a lot beers of episodes to remember. To remember yeah. Um, so for the life of me, I, I want, I want, I can't remember. I want to say that we've probably had one beer from perennial, right? I would think so. Um, off the top of my head and I, I don't think we've had this on the podcast, but one of their, um, they have two really well-known stouts that, that I believe the both of us have had. Yes. One is the Abraxas. 
Okay, I have had that, yes. I don't um, I, remember if it was on the, that. You might have had that one on the podcast. That one in particular, we definitely had at a tasting event before um, the uh, Bourbon County release on Black Friday. Oh, yes. Okay. And the other one that I know I've had is their Sump Coffee Stout. Oh, yes. I actually just had that one recently yeah, for, my, for my one-year anniversary at Bounty Beverage where I work. Oh, that's a, um, a good one-year anniversary beer. beer. That's, a, that's a very yeah. solid stout. It was delicious. It was amazing. Super, super great. Um, but on the, on the theme of stouts, though, we've got another stout yes. to try today. A fantastic voyage stout and from unlike, Perennial. Unlike the Sump, it's not a coffee stout. Mm, you're right. It it's is not. an imperial stout with coconut. Ugh. This is going to be so good. Yeah. Let me read you a nice description of this beer, if you'll indulge okay. me. Okay. Um, let me check real quick on my indulgence uh, counter. Uh, yes, I have some indulgences left to give. I can give one to you. Indulgence approved. <laughs> that was great. So like You were like, I was not expecting that, first of all, for your voice to be like that, like... asmr improved, approved. <laughs> Yeah, ASMR, that's a really good word for it, or phrase for it. I moved very close to the microphone. Mmm, yum, yum, Yes, I could tell that you did. And this actually might be a great voice to talk about this beer in, because it most likely is velvety and amazing and right. chocolatey. Well, anyway, since, since you're indulging me and we're, <laughs> and since we're going to go this all way. All right. All right, everybody, you can put your earphones back on. We're not going to talk like that anymore. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll talk regular, <laughs> yeah. regularly. It might come back later in the episode. We'll see. Oh, it, it probably will. It but probably for the time being, being, here's the description of The Fantastic Voyage by Perennial Artisan Ales. And this is their words, not mine. Okay, okay. <laughs> The rebirth of Fantastic Voyage is a return to slow jams and silk sheets. What does that mean? That, that was my voice saying wow. what does that mean, because that's strange. Um, we combine a smooth yet strong imperial milk stout base with a heap of dried coconut in the whirlpool. The result is a luscious blend of baker's chocolate, subtle roast, and sweet coconut. So take a sip and just sail on. <laughs> that sounds like a great description. Sail on, though. That makes me think tropical. Sail on. Uh, imagine if you're on a spaceship, though. Ah, oh, yes. I, I'm already thinking of but Fantastic Voyage. Yeah. On the on the can, though, it does have a ship, like an old ship. Yes. On the logo. I don't see anything about IBUs, but this does clock in at a whopping... Wait, where, I just saw it a second ago. 11.5%. So it yeah. is a Um uh, Let me tell you, I did not know that until you texted me that picture today and said, would you like, we should do this beer. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And then I grabbed it and looked at the 11.5%. And I was like, oh, yeah, I we're did. having that type of beer tonight. <laughs> All right. I, I did not pick it because of that reason. No. <laughs> uh, I picked it because I thought Tom DeLonge, Aliens, Space, Angels, and Voyage. Voyage. Yeah, perfect. This this is going to be um, such a cosmic, cosmic stout. Does that even work? <laughs> you know, normally I, you just normally you say cosmic IPA. I I wouldn't say cosmic IPA. Um, well, I, I also wouldn't say cosmic it. stout, but let's give this a crack and a pour, yeah, shall we? Yeah, we shall. Oh, already from the top of the can, I can see the. Uh, a little bit of the foam is super dark. Yes, really nice dark tan. Yeah. Ooh, oh, this beer smells really good. Yes, it does. Wowie, that smells good. And it uh, <clears throat> it formed it formed a nice um, I don't know coffee colored head. head. Like yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it is coffee colored. That's like coffee colored, and the beer is a midnight dark. I guess. Yes. Midnight. Yeah. Yeah. And the head is actually dissipating quicker than I thought, but that's not a problem, I suppose. Um, yeah, mine's, mine's dissipating at kind of a nice rate. Yeah. Oh, it smells so good. Mm-hmm. 
um, sweet and oh, roasty. You get like the roastiness on the on the nose. You get the uh, little bit of toasted coconut on there. Yeah, it's. I was actually expecting Probably a little it bit to be chocolate, almost, maybe even. Yeah, I was expecting almost over the top coconut, but it's not. It's it's just like a nice subtle coconut on this on the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice. Shall we go in for a uh, little sipski? Yeah, yeah. Let's go in for a cheers and then a try. All right, as we always say on American Brews and Tunes. Let's take a fantastic voyage down the hatch. Down the hatch. Oh, wow. Oh, this is this 11.5%? It doesn't taste like it. Not at all. I mean, it doesn't taste like it's like five or six percent it tastes like a little above that but it does not taste in the double digits no it really doesn't wow um and i do have a, a nice lingering uh, similar to a coffee bitterness yeah yeah i've got the same thing it's nice and it's um, like it's just sitting right on the middle of my palate yeah and it's uh yeah it's persisting and it's kind of good it's I a like really it. it's a really nice finish i gotta go in just to to get an in, initial taste again because yeah. Right, right now, I'm just getting that nice lingering, like coffee stout bitterness, which I'm, I'm really enjoying. Mm, yeah, oh. I think it's really good. And it it is sweet, and I I it did say it a is. milk stout up front, so I there there is a little bit of that creaminess from the lactose. You know sugar. what? That's what it is. That's the sweetness that I'm tasting right yeah. now. Yeah. And and oh, honestly, as it sat. Um, I'm kind of getting a little bit of the warmth, like from the booze. Yeah, I am getting that, but it does like the, the booziness is, really is a nice good, warming though. like flavor. But sometimes when you have those super imperial stouts or IPAs, you get an aggressive booze flavor, which I don't think you get on this. You get the warmingness, mm. but not the, yeah. the booze flavor. It's, it's, yeah, it's a weird, I think, it's a weird I think dichotomy. So. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, the coconut is very subtle. I'm not getting it as mm-hmm. much as I thought I would. I think it mostly, I'm mostly tasting like the toastiness from the coconut. Yes. And like there's the coconut kind of pairs pretty well with like that lactose sweetness. So I think that's where it's getting buried. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not complaining about that. Or Neither am I. At all. I can still, I can still taste it. Like I can still taste the coconut. Like it's just a little yeah. bit of toastiness. I mean, if the coconut was stronger, I'd still be happy. If there was no coconut, I'd still be happy. I think this is a really solid stout. So, when you're in your room listening to slow jams and you just want to put on those silk sheets, remember (laughs) to crack open a fantastic voyage from Perennial Artisan Ales because it's smooth as silk, baby. (laughs) There you go. Nice. There's there's the uh, there's the review. <laughs> this is a good beer. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as we always do, and especially for big, um, potentially Ooh, complex beers, we yeah, let you know how they. Stouts. Yeah, we'll let you know how the the flavor may or may not change as it warms up. Um, otherwise, yeah. shall we delve into the music? We shall. All right. As um, we said before, this is Life Forms by Angels and Airwaves, and it is their sixth studio album. Believe it or not, it's their sixth. Yeah. Oh. Now I, I mean, I don't. I haven't listened to them as much as you have, but I, I was. I thought there was only like three or four albums. Nope. Believe it or not, six. Wow. Um, and it came out on September twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. And their previous full length album was the Dreamwalker, which was released in twenty fourteen. So that's that's a oh wow, that's a, a very long, long time. That's a long gap. But it makes sense knowing what Tom DeLonge's like into or like what he's trying to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's he's making TV shows, films, um, doing weird government stuff, writing yeah. books and somehow releasing music and touring. Um, yeah. He's a, he's, he's a busy guy. He's very, very busy. What very, I think. Uh, yeah, that's good. What, what I think is strange, however, about this album and its release. Um, like I said, it came out September 24th, 2021. But the lead single, which was Rebel Girl, oh. was released <laughs> April 30th, 2019. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I forgot it was released in 2019. What the heck? 
Now, you might be thinking <laughs> that's perfectly natural because of COVID-19, but I'm here to tell you no. <laughs> it's do you want, not. Do you want to know why? Why? I because do want to know why. Here is a reference. Blink-182 released their initial single, Blame It On My Youth, May 8th, 2019. So they released their single after Angels and Airwaves single, correct? Okay, correct. You are correct on that. And their album came out September 20th, 2019, a full two years before Angels and Airwaves Life Forms came out. <laughs> wow. Man, either Tom DeLonge like, is a prophet and he foresaw what was going to come in 2020. Or he just like was so busy that I don't know. That's super weird. It is. Why would they release a single two years or two and a half years before the album? I mean, that's strange. They weren't completely done with the album. They rewrote stuff. They added stuff. But they also they did a major world tour in at the end of 2019 before it was like October, November, December, like that area somewhere in there. Yeah. And so it wasn't like they weren't. They were busy with other things. They were doing angels and airwaves, you know. Hmm. But strange, you know, things happen. Um, they re-recorded stuff, um, and I will say that Tom DeLonge is notorious for announcing things that either never come out or don't come out for a very long time. Okay, so it's not unheard of. It's not that weird. No, but it, for him. It, it's just funny that Blink One Eighty Two released a song after Angels and Airwaves and had their album come out before, way <laughs> way before. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Um, Definitely is what it is. Um, why don't you give me a little bit of history about the band Angels and Airwaves? Yeah, so Angels and Airwaves is a, I was about to say side project, but it's not a side project if your main band is no longer a thing. Um, yes. When when Tom DeLonge and uh, the rest of Blink-182 broke up, uh, Mark and Travis formed Plus 44 and Tom formed Angels and Airwaves. So he, right. he was doing his own solo thing and they've they've kind of been a band for a long time. Um, Blink-182 was reestablished, and Tom kept up with Angels and Airways at the same time. So they've, he's been in, mm. in both bands concurrently, even though he's technically not in Blink-182 right now. But that's for right. another episode. Um, and they've been releasing music fairly consistently, um, touring sporadically. Um, and on this album in particular, Tom said he was making a conscious effort to return to his roots. So that means like his roots Hmm. as in early angels and airwaves, early blink, um, kind of just like his early inspirations, which is kind of across the board. Yeah. Um, that's interesting to hear uh, because, because I think, uh, like this does remind me more like this album as a whole reminds me more of like the neighborhoods album. Uh, I definitely can see that in terms of sure. like in terms of uh, like musically, yes. I think. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Song, this album. Sonically. This album. It, it, I guess I should. I should uh, clarify. The guitars remind me of neighborhoods. Okay, Obviously, yeah. in yeah. neighborhoods, like they didn't neighborhoods didn't have like all the electronic stuff that he's that he's using in this or taking advantage of it in this album. Yeah. But. It, yeah, I, I agree with you, I think, um, definitely on that one. Um, but what bugged me about this album was not the music itself, but the album release, like the rollout leading up to it. Because mm, they, they released six or seven song, like out of ten songs. Before oh, yeah, that. yeah, that was really weird. I remember list, like last year listening to the album when it, when it was seven songs. Yeah, it's and like, I was like, I was like, oh, I kind of really like this. And then, then I was like, and then I, I think I asked you, I was like, is the album fully out yet? And you were like, no, it's not. <laughs> but there, there nope. were seven songs. I mean, it's, it's so weird. <laughs> it's mostly out, and it's not EP. <laughs> mostly. It's, it's mostly out. Mostly. mostly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but is. like, they, they just kept releasing songs. Like every month, they put out another song leading up to it, and then eventually the album. Came. It was just, it was strange. Just a, um, yeah, just a really weird to, thing. That's very strange. It, it was weird. I tried not to listen to every single song that came out too terribly much because I wanted a little bit of the the mystique and the the anticipation building mm-hmm, up to it. Yeah. Um, but it was hard not to. I, I think I listened to all of them at least once before it came out. You know what? After uh, after listening to sorry, this is a total side note. 
um, after listening to Ken, Kendrick's new album, and mm-hmm. because he didn't release any singles, right? Zero singles. Yeah, I prefer that now. That makes yeah. way more sense. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. Like one single, maybe two, but I don't want a ton of them released. And that's that seems to be the trend nowadays. Is you release a, like a ton of songs before the album comes out. Yeah, well, because it makes sense, right? For like radio play. Yeah. It does. Right, because they're like, oh, and, you have to have like radio, the radio songs on your album, which is like such a dumb limiter. And it can help on, with sales, on, I guess, too. Yeah, I mean, and, it definitely can. And overall but, excitement. But the experience of listening to an album, which you like is brand new and you know yeah, nothing about it is exactly like, you can't That's replicate that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying. It was like kind of an annoying way to release an album. Yeah. But. You know, it, I can't change it now. It's already out. They did what they did. Um, already out. I am happy that it is a very concise album. It's just under 38 minutes. Um, and they they stray away from their, their typical lengthy instrumental intros and interludes and, and fillers, which... Getting back to the Blink Roots, man. Yeah, on, on their past several albums, the, the Love albums in particular, they had a lot of like big grandiose intros to songs and and uh, some instrumentals here and there, which I didn't mind. But it's when you have a song that's like five six minutes, it's hard to hold attention to for common people, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it uh, yeah, it's interesting because I know there there are good ways to do instrumental intros, and there are uh-huh. poor ways to do instrumental in- intros as well. Yeah, and I think Angels and Airwaves does a lot of good ways. It's just sometimes I just want to get into the song. Well, so yeah, from what I remember, I think I listened to that, at least a couple of their earlier ones. Mm-hmm. Like it was, uh, like the intro had like its own like musical theme that was completely different from the song. Or not completely different, but not, it wasn't like, it didn't mesh well. Like the intro didn't mesh well or like lead into the song yeah, very they- well. They had independent ideas sometimes as intros that were tied to yeah. songs as a whole. Yeah, and like, yeah, that's not the best way to do an intro. Yeah, it, it was odd, but, but not anyway. here. Not here on this one. Yeah, not here. They uh, they fixed they fixed that problem. Yeah, and interestingly enough, I think that pretty much every single song on Lifeforms is is a unique and independent sound and feel. Like they all they all have their own independent vibes if you'll mm. if you will, i guess if you yeah. go with that um and kind of production to to an extent but i think that it works as a whole for the most part hmm. okay i will agree with you that it works in the at the whole and, and as a whole for the most part yeah there's <laughs> there's one <laughs> you that already I, you already know what song i do not like on this album yeah <laughs> i well, really I, it's a skipper Every we'll, single time, I hate it. It's so we'll bad. We'll get to that one. <laughs> we'll get to that one pretty quickly here. Yeah, we will. Let's um, start off with track number one. Yes, we shall. All right. Track number one: Time Bomb. Time Bomb. Black coat, white shoes, black hat, Cadillac. <laughs> yeah, the boys a time bomb. Not that boys a time bomb. Um, even though Tom DeLonge is a big fan of Rancid and, and Tim Armstrong, no correlations here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think this is a great intro to the album. It does start off with that electronic um, intro, the sound, and it, yes. it builds up with that. Uh, it kind of layer it a little bit, but it's not like like I said with the. Um, it doesn't have that super long instrumental intro. They they build yeah. up, but it builds up quickly. Yeah, um, and it's the song like starts off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's great, and everything comes in, and it's got this nice melodic driving pop song feel with a little bit of maybe post-punk influence. It's it's kind of hard to nail it down to a specific um, yeah, this, style. I always thought this melody reminded me like of a Blink melody. Yes. Yeah. That he would have written, for yeah, sure. I agree. Um, I think the standout on this song is definitely the chorus, and that's going to be the, the trend, I think, for most songs. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I really like the instrumental bridge, uh, but that's definitely <laughs> a classic Tom DeLong move. <laughs> yes, absolutely, it is. Yeah, but it's so funny. Like whenever I was listening to this recently, I was like, "Yep, he still can't write bridges." <laughs> yeah, 
But the thing is, at least he writes musical ideas for the bridge. Yeah, at <laughs> least like there, the bridges are like okay. Sorry, I should have qualified my statement. The bridges are still catchy and still good, but just, he still can't. It's just the words. I don't know. He just prefers to write bridges without words, I guess. To each their own, and to Tom DeLong, the instrumental bridge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on to track number two. And I completely forgot to give recommendations, but this is going to be my... Okay. I'm just going to go with one, and this is going to be it. <laughs> Track number this two is, is Euphoria. This is also... I would recommend this song and then another one as well. Yeah. Um, I, I have a multitude of favorite songs on this album, but this is hands down my number one favorite. Yeah, I think... I think so. I think it's, this is my favorite too. Like, the chorus is so catchy. It really is, um, but musically, I think this is arguably heavier than than most things they've ever done in the past. Hmm, okay, um, it is really heavy at the being with that. The exactly, and it's it like, almost it sounds like Rush, like the Tom Sawyer sound, and it's just like it almost sounds like it's not a progressive song, like they're doing anything complicated, but it has that feel almost. Yeah. This is the this is the guitar that reminded me of Neighborhoods. Yes. In this I, song. I definitely hear that. Um Tom said that he was hearkening back to Boxcar Racer with this hmm. this one. Oh, okay. I can hear that as well. And he yep. was Boxcar Racer was like a post hardcore project, so I, I kinda see that. Yeah, I can see that too. Um, but I love how you get those like heavy choruses with those big guitars and you're expecting this massive chorus, but when the chorus comes, it's almost like lackluster hmm. not yeah, in a bad a, way like it's it's not huge like you're expecting massive drums and like overarching yeah like big sound and it's everything but the big drums almost hmm yeah i really like it i really like how they like they use interesting like melodic choices yeah in the uh in the instrumental anyway um the uh gosh i can't remember what the uh I can't remember what the the melodic line is. The do 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 that one. I don't know that one. You know where it's like a oh, he's such a good Oh yes, yes, the guitar in the background. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like I love how they just like throw those little melodic lines in that kind of tie it all together and give your ear like something interesting to listen to. Yeah. The only thing I can hear in my head right now is that chunky, chunky bass. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I think this is my favorite song on the album yeah. for sure. And they layer the oohs and ahs in the chorus. It's really nice. And the last chorus on the song, when they finally, finally add the drums and it goes double time. Oh, yeah. That's the highlight yeah, of the album. See, and like this was my point earlier. It's like they had an intro is, I don't know. It wasn't that long until the song starts, but the I- instrumental intro like added to the song, and then yes. like all the decisions they made with the song were great. I think. Yeah, it wasn't like they added a uh, instrumental intro just for the sake of it. It was it was uh, yeah exactly a, a purpose. That's a really good uh, really good way to to phrase it because like that's how I felt about their instrumental in- intros before is that like they were just there. There was no purpose for them. Yeah, and for like. As a songwriter, um, when I think about that, I think of I, I can't remember which comedian was talking about this, but they were talking about um, like jokes that that are super well written. And they when when they talk about that, when there's nothing extra added, they say like there's no fat left to trim. It, it has everything perfectly in its place, and you can't mm. remove anything else. It's just everything's there perfectly for a reason. So like when I'm writing a song. Um, and like maybe there's a couple parts that are unnecessary. I think like, can I get rid of this? Uh, does it serve yeah. a purpose? And like you, hmm. you're trying to look if you can trim the fat. Hmm, that's a, actually a very like really helpful way to think about it. Yeah, and it again, it's it it it's dictated by the style you're going for and and like what you want to convey. Because sometimes you need like lengthy things that potentially could be removed, um, but it will serve a purpose, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I think of. I think of one of our uh, tree shelf songs, uh, "Sucking in Death," where we have like that long, where you do the the like Blink One Eight Two style guitar picking yep, during yep. the bridge, and then like I just say like one word before coming back in the chorus. 
Yeah, but we like that's definitely. a that's a good way. That's a good thing. Like that that bridge is net. Like that silence is necessary. Like that small part is necessary. Yeah, we could like, totally it, cut it, that from the song, but it we would, easily could. It, it would, but it wouldn't be the same the feel entirely. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be the same then. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's a really helpful way to think about it uh, yeah. for songwriting too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, hey, like. If you're, because I guess like I, I don't know, I've never trimmed an animal, like or trimmed <laughs> a beast or whatever. A beast. Okay. But I'm assuming trimming the fat is just like getting away all the unnecessary stuff that doesn't yeah. actually support the end goal, basically. And um, so. if you if you've ever been like a an editor for a a newspaper or anything or, or cutting articles for whatever you might do or a school paper or whatever, that's some things you you'd look for is how to trim the fat. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was the uh, that was a great song songwriting lesson, Steve. Yes. There you go. Songwriting <laughs> yeah. one. Songwriting one. Awesome. The new uh, new portion of the podcast songwriting <laughs> episodes. Not a bad but idea. We've moved past. Let us know section. if you're interested. <laughs> yes. Let, let us know if you're interested. We'll, we'll do more. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want to go to track number it. three, which is a big change okay. of pace. I'd this say. is my second second recommendation for me. Or second and last. I'm only going to stick with my one because it's hard for me to pick like runner ups based uh, against euphoria. Uh, But track number three spellbound is a winner. Absolutely. For sure. It slows it down big time compared to the last two, but it starts off in the same way. It has like a really chill kind of instrumental intro for like 20 seconds Mm -hmm. and then it gets into the song. Yeah. It's great. And a high school Steven would have skipped this song. Yes, a high school Stephen would have skipped this song for sure. But not me. I love this song. Yes, not current day Stephen. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've learned. I'm matured. I am a. Yeah. Ma- I'm a mature Steve, listener. Steve, you know what? You know what? I'll bet. Uh, I'll bet if you go back and like listen to some of the older episodes that we've done, I'll bet you pro- could probably actually tell. You're probably be like, wow, my like thought process about music has changed over these 123 episodes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think uh, that uh, first um, Decemberist album you had me listen to. Yeah. And Ooh, the first, that was probably a struggle for you. And the first Arcade Fire album. Oh, those were probably both struggles for you. Both struggles at first. At first. Now yeah. both albums that I love. So I've, And I've, now both bands that you love, too. Yes, absolutely. That, that you like. Yeah, yeah I've, I've shifted big time. Yeah. yeah. I'm proud of you, Steve. And track number three on this album, Spellbound, is definitely... Uh, in the same vein where, like, literally, if I was in high school, I'd say, oh, this isn't fast. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, it's so, like, the way that he treats, like, the melody in this song, though, is so great. How it's, like, it's not as, like, a, like, a there's no punchy beats. Like, it's really smooth and really chill. And so he, like, naturally makes his melody less, like, choppy and less aggressive as well. Yeah. Like, in the chorus. Yeah, and the, the mean, chorus yeah. isn't, like, the chorus isn't a soaring anthemic no. big chorus but it's so but it's so catchy, catchy. it's so yes. catchy like yeah they'll kill you now and then but your heart has been spelled out and the sound of that synth that bassy chunky synth. yes i was oh. about to say like that's what anchors it like the the that and the bass the yeah, bass line i want to know like and the did, synth anchor this song. It's so good. I just want to know how they found that sound for the synth. Like, did they create that? Was it a preset? I have no idea, but it is amazing. Maybe. It's a good sound, though. Yeah. Crazy. But great, great, great song. But let's move on to something that changed gears that I know you'll oh, be gosh. really interested in. <laughs> yeah, let's put it in park and reverse. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's figure out why Tom wrote this song, Steve. Track number four is called No More Guns. What could it be about? I have no idea. I hate this song so much. (laughs) Um, So bad. It's a rare political song from Tom DeLonge. Because he... Uh, Yeah, it is a political song, yeah. In music, he doesn't ever talk about any hot-button issues, like, of the day, per se, I guess. Um, But this one is an outlier thematically for him and for the album. Um, Okay, Steve, here's my problem with the song, is that it's an outlier thematically... It's an outlier musically. It doesn't sound like Angels and Airwaves. Like it's uh-huh. just it just doesn't fit. <laughs> I just don't understand why they put it on the album. And I'm not gonna fault you for that because that makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Um 
it's goofy. It's super campy. Yes, uh, very it's campy. Bouncy, but I I like it, and I am a poor judge when it comes to anything Tom related Dillon. to Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, they could. Well, let me tell you, Steve. Don't feel could, bad about not liking this song. They could poop out an album, and I would <laughs> sincerely, with all my heart, love it. Like not even okay, like listen, trying no, to fake like, it. They could. They could literally. Like I'm saying, literally poop out a CD, and Steve would be like, "That's solid gold, baby." And I will pay you top dollar for that solid gold poop. <laughs> yes. It's true. It's um, true. It's true, and that's and it's great. Yeah. So sorry, but the, and it's okay. I, I, I do like the song. It's goofy. It's weird, um, and it uh, doesn't Steve, fit the rest come of the album. On. It's not a good song. I like it. It's fun, but it's they should have removed it. Um, yeah, I think and, so. And uh, there was a non-track album called, I think it's called All All That's Left Is Love or All We Have Is Love. I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, they released it for a charity, but they should have swapped the two songs because that one fit way better. Mm. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. No, it is um, what it is, yeah. My only takeaway is I wonder what the ancient whiskey was that he was drinking. <laughs> yeah, the first line. I'm sitting at the table and drinking ancient whiskey. <laughs> but yeah, what is ancient what whiskey? What does that mean, Tom? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it literally could be ancient because the- theor- <laughs> theoretically, with with uh, hard liquor, as long as it doesn't have, like, bacteria in it, it should last forever. So maybe, you know? Yeah. Maybe there actually is an ancient whiskey that, uh, that we are unaware of. Yeah. But moving on to track number five. Uh, which yes. is back to the sound of the album. This song is called yep. "Losing My Mind." Losing my mind, yeah. And it's not this as one's... overtly political as "No More Guns," but there are a little ish political messages, like some little yeah. pokes yeah. in there, right? Yeah, and like that's. I feel like that's like the way Tom should be writing. Yeah, and it, it's it's not like alienating, but it's kind of fun the way he he does it. I think mm-hmm. it's cheeky, I guess. I must be losing my mind. Um, but it's such a catchy song. Um, it he's is. talking about losing his mind as I think like the news like panders and it's like he talks about like the openly racist people popping up. Um, mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. it's goofy. Uh, but I love the bass line that starts the song. Um, it's kind of a little hard to follow because it's a like it's not a complicated bass line, but it's a little wonky at the same time. Um, mm. but still really you know what this intro just the intro yeah I'm talking about just the intro here it reminded me of a Billie Eilish song I mean that's not a problem which song uh, I think bad guy just because of the bass line at the beginning okay fair enough or just Actually, like, I like and because Billie of the snapping so do I she's great she's super talented um but I, I just thought it was funny how like it, it yeah. sounded like Billie Eilish esque, like bad guy. Okay. okay. And but okay. then it was only for that intro part. And then it goes and then it's like, okay, yeah, no, I'm listening to Angels and Airwaves as like Tom comes in with the <laughs> the verses and whatnot. And it, it is weird when it when the uh, the lyrics kinda come in, they're it's it's like almost like a processed layered vocal that's mm-hmm. Almost, it's like it's not. If you were, were to look at like the notes on on a, a sheet music, they're not going crazy up and down. It's kind of staying steady, but it's it, it's just it's a very unique choice that he takes going into the song. Mm-hmm. But once that pre-chorus hits, then he starts going um, yes. melodically. Yeah, everyone, that's everyone, back to everyone. Yeah. yeah, and the chorus is huge. It's it's yeah, a, such a huge great. catchy chorus. Um, yep. Did you see the music video? I probably did watch it last year or two years ago, whenever it came out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, um, but it's, I think it takes place in Las Vegas, and it's there's like some DJ in it who is I think TikTok famous. I have no idea, mm-hmm. and I really don't care. <laughs> but Tom yeah. Long is wearing a big wig, and he's got these goofy glasses and an Adidas tracksuit, and he's playing a character called I think it's, he names the character like Disco or something like that. 
Disco. Okay, I've never, I've never. I don't. I don't remember this. So maybe I didn't. Just look see it up. It. He's just doing stupid dances the entire time. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> okay, that sounds pretty cool. It's a funny. It's a funny video. Oh, okay. So like that ties into like losing my mind, right? He's just like doing some like stupid silly dance. Yeah. Maybe he's referencing TikTok. <laughs> Could be, uh, but I love this song. It's so catchy. Oh yeah, I think so too. And like I, I said, I like don't I said, know if it's true or not. One song that I don't like. In interviews, Tom DeLonge has said that in the end of, like, in the the last chorus, he says, "The voice inside my yed." <laughs> he said he he said he consciously he actually, did that, but okay, I don't know. I think I believe it. It's Who it cares? might be true. Maybe he's retroactively saying <laughs> it because it'd be narrative. funny. I don't care. It, but I could see I could see him like being like, "This will be funny if I tell him I told I purposefully <laughs> did this." Yeah, I like he to just, believe he, he did. He seems like a goofy guy that likes to joke around. So yeah. Yeah, he is, I think. Um, a fun, fun little story, real quick, Steve. Ooh. Um, my, I was a uh, one of my coworkers. Uh, he met Tom DeLonge when he was playing like a show in Nashville at some point. Uh huh. Um, and he was just talking to him, just chilling, and he said that Tom DeLonge was a super nice, genuine guy. Like that he was just like, like he wasn't about like the rock star, like mentality. Like he was just a genuinely nice guy. Just a fun little tidbit right there. You know, I believe it. I've met Tom two times. Um, not in, oh. probably not in the same capacity that your, your friend. No, did. cause they, they were just like, he was, he was delivering beer to the venue. Yeah. And he just like, Tom was just chilling and he was like, Hey Tom, I'm a big fan of Blink-182. <laughs> and then they just like started chatting and hanging out for a little bit. I mean, that's that's pretty dope. Yeah. I met him at a signing at the Warp Tour. And I said, I said, Tom, one of the earliest songs that I ever played with my band was Damn It. Mm. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's awesome, man. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, but he was, I mean, he was, he was cool then. And then the second time was right before the Angels and Airwaves concert in Nashville. I was at uh, Marathon Music Works on that, like, outdoor patio. Yeah. Drinking a beer. And he just walked by. <laughs> And he saw my no effects shirt and he says, that's a quality shirt, man. Oh, nice. <laughs> I said, that's awesome. I said, thanks. <laughs> that's all I said. <laughs> hey, you're like, thanks. <laughs> like, I didn't know it was Tom. You weren't long. expecting. You weren't expecting it. I didn't know he was there. And then all of a sudden I hear it. That's a quality shirt. And I look up and it's Tom DeLong walking by. And I'm like, caught off guard. If I should have said, is it quality enough for a picture? <laughs> oh, dude. Missed your chance, I man. missed my chance. But that's okay. I didn't ask for him to interact with me. And he did. So that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay. So the story that my coworker told me tracks. Yeah, he, he seems, seems like, like a, he's a, a nice chill guy. Dude, yeah. 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 Cool. I'd like to meet him at some point. That'd be great. I'd like to meet him again. So maybe we yeah. can all meet him together. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Bruising tune style. Anyways. Bruising tune. Anyway. Uh, on back the next to the track. album. Track number six is automatic. Automatic. Great song. This I like song this was song. admittedly. Um, by Tom DeLonge, inspired by The Cure, and it 100% oh, yeah. oh, sonically yeah. sounds like the, the two songs that I, I compare it to is Just Like Heaven and In Between Days, which are massive songs by The Cure. Like, if mm. you if you were to play those two songs and they play automatic, you'd be like, uh, did the same person produce this? I've Yeah. And I mean, like, even... Uh even just, like, compared to the other songs, like, the guitar choices and are, the, like, the a complete choices. 180, and, like, the synths are super heavy. It's, it's straight the out of the, the 80s. And super poppy and super catchy. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of this song. Same song these. Good. Um, and he said that this song in particular was about his daughter um, because mm. she's going to college, and um, it's kind of like her taking her next steps. Yeah. If, if you look at the song through that scope, it, it totally makes sense. Hmm. Um, I think the first time I heard it, I thought it was a love song. Hmm. Um, because you can actually, you, you, you can interpret it that way if you want to. But once you think about like his daughter moving on from high school to, to college, it, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like yeah. coming of age wise. Yeah. 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 I like this song. Yeah. Really cool song, though. Um, moving on to track number seven. Which yep. is called Restless Souls. <laughs> restless. 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 Um, restless Souls, yeah. It's got this, like, the first time I heard it, I thought it was going to be this super slow song again, 
which is again is not a problem. I like slow yeah. songs now. I'm 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 a, an elevated mature music listener. <laughs> um, but if, like halfway through the first verse, there's like this driving tom beat on the drums, and it's just like, whoa, where'd this come from? Hmm. Um, and it's just it takes you into the chorus, and it's, it turns into a big song. Um, really, really cool. Um, if you know anything about Angels and Airwaves, um, deeper discography, the chorus sounds strikingly like the song Dry Your Eyes, which was on one of their hmm. love albums. Okay, yeah, I don't know that song. Um, but it's so well, goofy listen. because the melody is the same, and on this song he says, Don't You Cry. On the other song he says, Dry Your Eyes. So it's like, hmm. it's like... It's like the same he's, thing almost. He's recycling a melody a little bit. He's recycling maybe, a melody maybe and a theme. Maybe unconsciously. But the melody and the theme are the same. <laughs> maybe consciously then. <laughs> yeah, but it's so good, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the song, other than the, the hook and the chorus, are, are very different. Um, but it's just it's just funny that, that they kind of overlap sound-wise. Yeah, like, okay, this is, this is a great song to talk about this on, like, I think uh, I think he just writes good choruses, man. He does, and um, there's like the, the chorus on this song is just so catchy. Like the the beginning was like super kind of like chill and like really uh, mellow, and then it gets to the chorus. The drums come in. He's like, "Don't you cry," and like it's so just so catchy. I don't know. I I do like it a lot. And if you're curious about Tom DeLonge and like how he writes, there's a video you can watch on YouTube called "The Pursuit of Tone" with by Ernie Ball. And I think I have watched that. It's really good, and they interview him, and he talks about writing melodies, and he says a lot of the way he writes is kind of like um, nursery rhymes on steroids. Hmm. <laughs> and that makes hmm. sense. It's catchy that stuff. That does make sense. Yeah. Infectious melodies. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to like. Uh, like put it into one phrase, like his songwriting process. That's pretty cool. Yep. I like that. Yeah. Um, and one last note about this song on the yeah. the bridge in particular, which is uh, again essentially instrumental. Um, I don't know if you remember yep. in particular, but the bass is playing these bass chords, and it okay. sounds like that one song from either the '60s or '70s with the do 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 Yes, I think I think I know what you're talking about. If, if you can picture that song, there's a like a chord melody going on underneath of that, and I swear it's so similar to the the, the bass chords that are played in the chorus of here. You have to compare later, just for, for your okay. own sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, moving a little on bit to, of homework. A little bit of homework. Yeah. Homework for everybody. Uh, moving on to track number uh, eight, but, which is Rebel Girl. Yeah, on track number eight. Rebel Girl, the, this, this was the first single? Yep, right? released two and a half years before the album. Woo! Yeah, this one starts off really poppy and bright and like, yeah, poppy and bright. Yeah, <laughs> That's I a was, good way to put it. I was genuinely surprised when I heard this because I think they announced that they were going to be releasing a song and so I was all ready um, and I heard the premiere and I was like, whoa, <laughs> not what I expected <laughs> hmm. at all. Um, it's... Unlike a lot of their stuff, it's definitely synth-driven. Um, yeah, yeah. The the driving um, instrumental melody is played by the synth, and there are guitars in there, but it's it's definitely synth-driven, electronic-driven. Yeah, I would imagine that on this song, like he would have his guitar, and then he would like put it behind his back whenever he's like singing the verses or whatever. Yep. You know, <laughs> I can see that. Um, I wasn't crazy about it at the first listen, but yeah, it's a good song though. Uh, yeah. But it grew on me very quickly. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, the chorus, I, I, I can see why they put it as their first single. It makes sense. Um, realistically, they probably put it out as their first single because they didn't have anything else. <laughs> if it took them two and a half years to do the rest of the album, it was probably the only song they had done. Um, yeah. But the chorus is so catchy. Yeah, the that like melody line. You it's want to go good. back to where you were broken hearted. Broken hearted. It's so back funny. Before we were so broken hearted. Yeah. Good song. Yeah, Definitely. Not good, like. Song. I don't know. I guess it's about just a. Maybe it's about his daughter as well. Who knows? Um. I think it's more My of a, a love song. My little rebel girl. It is worth yeah. noting that. 
um, before this album, Tom did get divorced from his longtime wife and mother mm. of his children. And he also got remarried. So I think maybe it was inspired by his new wife. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but moving on to track number nine, which is, I'd say, an outlier, but still fits in with the, the album, unlike No More Guns. Yeah, it's definitely an outlier, but like musically, it's it's with the theme of the whole album, though. Yeah, um, it, it it's not guitar-driven. Um, there are definitely guitars in the song, but it's not the focus. I think it, like, it starts with that programmed beat, and then there's layers mm-hmm. of synths. Um, yeah, but it's it's really an interesting layered song. Um, yeah, it is. Um, it's just an interesting song in general because like it's not as big or as poppy as like the rest of the album. Yeah, and and it almost I, makes me think like I like I like to imagine anyway that like this is a song that Tom really likes. It's just like he he was like I have to write this song. And I know it's not like the best, like most catchy, but it's great or because I like it or something like that. It was just like an idea he had floating around. and, and he had, Yeah. And like he was like, I got to get this down. And, yeah. you know, yeah, um, I do love when the bridge ends again, an instrumental bridge. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the chorus comes in without the rest of the instruments and it's almost acapella. And you mm-hmm. hear that's when you get a taste for how layered the vocals are and you, you hear all the harmonies finally because mm. they're, they're all present for every other chorus but you can't pick them out because uh, the instrumentation kind of dulls them down a little bit but on on the end of the bridge you really can pick it out it's it's nice it's a really a, yeah. a, a cool little section on the song yeah yeah hmm. yeah super, not my favorite song on the album but it's still good though super produced but really nice and the yes Track number 10, which is the last song on the album, is called Kiss and Tell. Kiss um, and Tell. And this was released August in 2019, still yes. two years prior to the album. Um, yes. And it's a big contrast from the last song. It's definitely guitar heavy and fast. Mm-hmm. Um, could have been a boxcar racer song. Could have been a later era Blink song when Tom was still in the band. Yeah. Um, super catchy. Um, it's a weird one again, but... Not like bad weird, just like not what I'd expect until you like give it a couple of listens and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Right, right, yeah. Um, I I think it's maybe the more punky song on the, on the album, and I have a, a, like I kind of cringed a little when I said punky <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think it's a punk song, but in relation to everything else, maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but good song. There was a video, which was kind of weird. Um, For this what? song? Oh, yeah. I do remember yeah. this video. It was weird. It like he was, they were, it was a video of them filming a video, I think, and he was wearing a backwards hat, and it was, it was weird. <laughs> um, I like this song a lot, but I don't know if it should be the final song on this album. Hmm. I don't think it fits as an album closer. Hmm. Okay. It's, I mean, that's, that's up in the air, whether they would want something else to be that. Um, but I could see a handful of other songs that would have closed the album better than this one. Hmm. E- even the last song, a fire in a, a nameless town might. have. Yeah. Cause like better. that could have been like the, the, like the, you know, like the last day crescendo for like the, the or, whole album, you know, or spellbound. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but that that was their choice. Um, mm-hmm. What can you do? They put it there. Um, but all in all, um, as far as this album goes, front to back, even including no guns, even a cloud, including no more guns. Um, yep. <laughs> no I I love this album, and I just I I like sitting down. It's it's less than forty minutes. Um, it's not a, a you don't have to make a huge commitment to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's super accessible, even like the weird songs. I think somebody can find something that they'll like in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's good. I think um, my final opinion on this album, Steve, is that I like it. I think that it's got something good. I think that if you're okay with like listening to like really produced, like electronically driven songs. I think you'll like this yeah, and because I, you've got like the really catchy melodies that Tom DeLonge writes. 
They're infectious. You've got, yeah, you've got the really kind of cool, like heavy guitar parts in it. All you have to do is skip track number four. That's all you got to do. And that's a personal choice. Listen, if you want. Um, I, I really like that. I think, in, in again, this might just be my opinion, but I think Tom DeLonge sounds into it. Like, I think he sounds good yeah, on this album. I agree. I agree with you. Um, I there, think, are, there are stuff that, that they've done before and stuff that Blink's done where you think, I don't know if he's invested 100%. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the, uh, he's got the Frank Turner vibe right now with this album. Yes. The, perfect, perfect connection I think you yes. just made there. Uh, Frank Turner, for those who don't know, is an English uh, songwriter. We've reviewed and talked about his albums a lot. Uh, and the point is, you can always tell that Frank is really invested and really, like, he means what he's singing. You yes. know? And, and it's especially a, it's a, it's on the a, last a, album. Yes. And it's the same thing with the band like Switchfoot or John Foreman in general. Like, you, you know that he's singing. You know that he's into it. And you, f- you, you know, feel and the, the meaning and passion, yeah. Exactly, yes. Yeah. You could feel the passion. And with this album, I can feel it. I can feel it from Tom. So I think it's a good album. I will Minus say... Minus before. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I'm not going to fault you for it. <laughs> uh, but I will say that I am slightly ashamed to admit that I have four copies of this on vinyl. <laughs> Wait, Okay. Okay. All right. All right, Steve. You've opened this can of worms. You have to explain why you have four copies on vinyl now. All right. So when they <laughs> when they announced the album, mm-hmm. I purchased two copies, which is a lot for a regular person, right? Right. But for you, though, do you like to have one unsealed and have one opened, right? Or, I mean, not unsealed, but sealed and then one open. Is that what you like to do? Typically. Um, okay. but, but for the reason I did it um, that way for the, the pre-order was... Um, they had several items that were autographed. Oh. And so what I did was I found the autographed one that had the least amount of printings. And I yes. purchased that one. I bought one that I I think it was like a pinwheel pressing or something. And it, it, they had 300 copies of it. So I, was, I, I got one of those. Nice. Okay. that That's actually legitimately cool, though. Yeah. And, and it's got so everyone I autographed it. That. And then yeah, that's awesome. The other one I purchased was from Newberry Comics. Um, their online store. They're, they're based out of um, Boston. Really cool yep. little record store. Yes, they or are. Or big record store. I don't know what Just you want to call it. Just a cool store in general. It's um, a store. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's an awesome store. They've got that, shoes. They've got comic books. They've got records. They've got everything. Yeah, you bought but, shoes there, I think. Yeah, I did. I still have them. They're almost uh, They're almost worn through. I bought a pair of Penguin socks there for some reason. Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> Um, but they had a pressing and it was exclusive to their store and it was green, blue and black, I think. But the way that it, they like smushed it together, it almost kind of looked like a globe. It was, it it looked really cool. cool. So I was like, you know what, that'll be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play my limited autographed one. I'll play this one. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes sense. That that was my thought process. Yeah. Um, and then fast forward, um, several months, the album's out. I have both my copies that came in the mail and I'm at Grimey's, our local um, record store, mm-hmm. and I see they have Angels and Airwaves, the independent record store variant. And I was like, you know what? Oh, I've listened. I've listened to this album a lot. I like it. I'm going to listen to it on vinyl a ton, and I want to support my local record store. Win, Absolutely. win. So, Wait, so what's the difference? Like, why is the... why? Like, it's, a, it? it's a completely different pressing. Like, it's got... That one in particular has, I think it's clear with stripes and some kind of splatter. Same uh, track order though, right? It's just the absolutely the vinyl same track different? order. The okay. vinyl's different, and you can only get that at indie record stores. Okay, all right. Okay, I, I can also see why you bought that. So that's okay. three so far. Okay, so now the last one. Um, uh, what, what's his uh, to the stars, which is his company, yes. tweeted out. Even after that one, just found a box of autographed vinyl records of life forms going on sale now. Okay, so you got another autographed one. So I got, I got an, another autographed. And it's worth noting, and I think this is crazy on their part, the autographed copies did not cost any extra than the regular records. Really? There was no upcharge. It cost the exact hmm. same as if you were buying the regular vinyl print from their records, uh, from their online store. Well, 
I mean, I don't know, man. Like, do people buy autographed things anymore? The answer is yes, because I can see on Discogs that I could resell one of these for, I don't know, 70, 80 bucks maybe right now. Okay, and you paid like what? 30? 20, 25 to 30. Yeah. Okay, okay. The resale value is where, is where you get your value from that. Gotcha. But will I resell it? No, because I am a hoarder and I love Tom DeLong stuff. Yes, yes. And that's okay. And that's why we love you, Steve. All right. And before we, <laughs> we uh, check off here and, and um, tie back into the beer, I do mm-hmm. want to say that we waited, uh, what was that, um, since oh 2016, gosh. that's, or I'm sorry, since 2014, that's almost, that's about seven years in between albums, which is a long mm-hmm. time. And granted, there were two four track EPs in between there. I'm not going to count those. And to only get a 10-track album seems a, a little skimpy, you know? It's, it's like they're, you'd expect maybe, a little more. Maybe they had a bunch of other songs, and these were the ones they narrowed it down to. A bo- I mean, right? maybe, maybe. I'm just hoping that they release something in a, a shorter time period, less than seven years. Yeah, less than seven years would be great. And maybe more than 10 tracks, but okay. Okay, I can't complain because we're not promised anything. Exactly. I'll tell you what, Jesse, not to get too self, not to get too philosophical here. Hey, we can get philosophical as as philosophical as we want, Steve. We are promised one, two things in life, right? Okay. Two things. If you, if you are a sentient being, you are Mm -hmm. promised to be birthed and you are promised to die. Yes, exactly. Everything else is up in the air. Everything else is up for you, man. Everything else is, uh, everything else is, yeah, up to you. Everything else is icing on the cake. So take opportunities, appreciate everything that comes, and exactly don't take anything for granted. You know that that is one thing that I've been trying to practice more, Steve, is being uh, gratitude. Absolutely, it's practicing gratitude for every day. It's definitely every day that you're alive is a gift it's for a, sure. A beneficial way to live, and um, it'll absolutely kind of, it'll reshape your whole worldview. I think it really will because yeah. it did for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, before we uh, get back to the beer, looking forwards to our next episode, we've got a couple different ideas we're we're playing with. Maybe a Q and A episode. Wink, wink. Oh, Q and A. Oh, so it's Q&A. either going to be that, or maybe the history of IPAs. Yes. So we're we're looking into so, doing a new style of episode where we talk about yes. beer styles. Let us know if you're interested in learning the history of a specific style or hearing us answer questions that you have posed to us. Thank you. Wow, we we wow. All right. Um, thoughts on the beer? Oh, man. Okay. Okay. One last sip. I've got a little bit left here. All right. You take a sip. I'm going to say what I think because I just took one. Um, I think it's the um, the lingering aftertaste is sweeter than initially uh, mm. reported on, if that makes okay, sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, I it's think almost it like, is. It's almost a marshmallowy, like vanilla flavor hmm. that lingers. Okay. I think that's a good way to describe it, honestly. And, and by marshmallow, you um, you mean like kind of soft and sweet? Yes, soft and sweet, vanilla-y. Yes. Um, there's still that coffee bitterness, but it's definitely more sweet than I initially thought. And I'm not complaining. I really enjoy the stout. Um, it's been a pretty p- uh, fantastic voyage, if yeah, I do it, say so myself. It, it has evolved <laughs> flavor-wise. It's gone from the bitter to the sweet. Um, I still don't yeah. think it's as high gravity as it tastes. Oh, boy, I would disagree with you. I'm, I'm feeling it a little bit, Sir Steve. Fair enough. Fair 11. enough. 11.5%. I don't think it tastes as boozy as it – it definitely tastes boozy, but I don't think it tastes double-digit boozy. Hmm. Okay. No, I, I definitely know what you mean, and I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it is 11.5%, though. <laughs> uh, I mean, it literally is. Yes. Um, uh, but all anyway, in all, my, my saying is if I see this beer – I would have it again. Absolutely. I would yeah. too. It's very tasty. Yeah. So uh, let's say we um, finish our brews and sign off. That sounds like a great plan, Steve. 
Okie dokie. As we always say on American Brews and Tunes. Cheers. Down the hatch that confirms that Life Forms is a perfect album and no tracks should be removed. (laughs) I disagree, but still, cheers. (laughs) I tried. (laughs) You can't blame me. Yeah, I can't blame you. No, I can't. I understand that you love Tom DeLonge, so... What can you do? Anyways, my what name is Stephen Johnston. My name is Jesse Titus. Thank you so much for is... listening. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, <you're fine. laughs> I, I forgot the outro. I was about to say just thank you for listening. Um, if you do have questions, True. we're going to post on our Instagram. We're going to figure it out. We'd love to hear from you guys. Have like kind of a different style episode. Yeah. So We'll hear from anyway. you one way or another. Yeah, because let's do this, the outro. This is... American Brews and Tunes. Make sure to always have a voluptuous stout when you're in your silk sheets. (laughs) I don't think the new Jurassic Park movies are good. (laughs) Here's a theme song, you know it's not a mean song. It's a good song, just as it should song. American Brews and Tunes. Shibbity-beebity!